When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Into the CHGO White Sox post game show coming to you live from Studio B. Our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me is Herb Lawrence. Hello. Follow him at Eckerwall23 is our CHGO White Sox community leader. You can follow the show at CHGO underscore White Sox. It is 5 o'clock somewhere. I mean, it's 3.50. Uh, so, you know, crack them. Crack your goose island. Chicago's like in beer. Nova Scotia. Or Halifax. I was thinking like Halifax, Nova Scotia, New York, because that's like you know in our territory. Yeah, but I think there's a a territory in Canada that goes on the half hour. Like so, if it's three (laughs) thirty here, it would be like five there. It's like they don't do the thing where you know we're just go by the time zones of an hour. They're trying way too hard. Uh, and hey, uh, shout out to everyone on the chat. We appreciate it. Uh, Fred's hanging out with us. He's celebrating the 98th loss as the Sox lose three to nothing to the Diamondbacks. They're almost there. They have to go three and one to avoid avoid losing 100. Uh, I don't think that's gonna happen. Shout out to Melissa. Uh, and then I don't know if we're gonna celebrate 100 exactly. We're gonna do a show on Sunday. I'm gonna think. This weekend, long and hard about what this 2023 year is meant to me. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm try to do a hundred losses justice, which I don't even know if that even makes any sense. It's Newfoundland that has a half hour one. Maybe I'll go to Newfoundland. You should. Maybe I'll go to Newfoundland to celebrate a hundred losses. It is five o'clock in Newfoundland right now. And uh, shout out to AJ uh, saying, how about that bullpen? Uh, outside of uh, Luis Patino, who is the opener for the Sox, uh, Davey Garcia, two and two-thirds, no hits, uh, no earned runs. Uh, Johan Ramirez, one inning, no hits, no earned runs. Tanner Banks, one inning, one hit, no earned runs. Garrett Crochet, one inning, no hit, one uh, no earned runs. And then Brian Shaw, everyone's favorite, every day, Brian Shaw, one inning, no earned runs. So uh, really came in and uh, shut down those mighty, mighty D-backs after, uh, oh, yeah, they won the game. Yeah, and uh, it seems like the D-backs is like, all right, let's, Corbin, hurry up and get that double, get these runs in, because that's it. We're not, Brandon Fott, whatever the hell his name is, is not going to give any runs up to today because the White Sox, and I told people on this, these guys didn't listen to me. I know you White Sox fans understand the White Sox being bad, but at Cub fans in my mentions, I had Marlins fans in my mentions saying, can they get one? No, right. They're this bad. They're the fourth worst team in baseball for a reason. And it didn't matter if Kyle Davies, who got DFA today, was starting pitcher yesterday, or Brandon Fott, who has almost a seven ERA. The White Sox are the White Sox. Man, well, it get it, it gets you right. 
just like uh, Russell Wilson this week will come in this year, this week to get right versus the Bears. Whatever you need, you get right here. The Padres, they need to get right this weekend, even though they're out of the playoffs. Baby, the numbers are going to be solid for the Padres this weekend. The Fott's a rookie, so I, I don't mind him coming in here and having a, a fine start. I mean, when you are a rookie, you're, you're probably going to have success against better teams. And now that ERA that was over six is at like five. 72. So, I mean, he lowered it about like 0.3 points uh, with his five and two thirds of nowhere and run like an eight Ks. Like what I heard from PH and X last night was the whole thing is Davies usually pitches poorly, mm-hmm. but gets the win. Yeah. And fought usually pitches well, but gets a loss um, like he's three and nine. But it does seem like they are pretty positive about fought again. He's a rookie. I um, mean, has less than 90 innings in his career. I was listening to Lynn and D- DJ coming in on ESP 1000. And they were saying that Fott has 200 strikeouts as a minor leaguer in a season, which they were like, he only pitched like 135 innings, which is very hard to do in the minors to get to over 200 strikeouts. So he's going to be a guy that's going to be looking forward to the future. And a guy that we're going to be hearing from in this episode a little later is one of the guys that was his farm director and Josh Barfield. So he knows exactly how to, you know, what Brandon Fott brings to the table. And uh, he looked impressive today. And we'll have some Josh Barfield audio in a sec. He'll explain his job, what his uh, vision for the White Sox is, how he currently views this organization, and even talks about Jerry Reinstar. So thanks, Bruce Levine, for that question. Yeah. Um, we've got about five minutes or so from uh, Barfield, so we'll get to that a little bit later. Vinny Duber will be joining us from Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, I have to talk about Andrew Benatendi because I'm I'm allowed. There's yes. nothing else to talk about. I am allowed. Um, but the one thing that PHNX said was Davies was lined up to be their 162 starter. Mm-hmm. So the DFA is basically like that, 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 that the season for the Diamondbacks depended on Zach Davies. And they said, no fucking way. <laughs> they said, we will take anybody else. I mean, they might, I mean, they might call Josh Barfield and be like, Hey, you got to talk Chris Getz into dropping Brian Shaw. Like, Hey, maybe, maybe he's got like a, an arm thing flare up and you know, you just want to cut him loose and we, we just need somebody to throw. Yeah. You know, you know, Brian Shaw can give you an inning. Zach Davies can't give you an inning. No. And it's sweet, sweet revenge for his former wife because that's what he did to her okay pretty much hey man i don't like davies he's a trash human you hear what he did to his wife man yeah just ghosted his wife in in their dogs man i'm glad he got dfa'd f that dude (laughs) feels great he got a job after he did that, though. Yeah, like, I mean, he they did. Paid, they paid him like for a full season to be a, be on their team. Yeah, like, I don't know, man. Like, but he I was like, but he was like, but he was like oh man, job. I played on this bad D backs team last year and they sucked. Oh man, we're right here. We're about to go to the playoffs. I'm about to get another playoff share, baby. No, get your ass off the team immediately. I wish they would have did it yesterday and left his ass in Chicago, so he had to find his own his way home. So yeah. Oh, to do it tomorrow? Yeah. Like Carlson Fiscum? Yeah, exactly. He's like, leave your ass in Chicago. Find your way back to Arizona, brother. Greyhound. Deuces. Um, <laughs> I'm not trying to be uh, stinky but uh, I, or make excuses here because, you know, sometimes your contact acts up. Maybe that happened to say a Suzuki last night. Uh, okay. But my contact in my left eye has absolutely moved away from my face, uh, and I'm supposed to be reading the screen later on. So if I am reading <laughs> things off the screen wrong, just point it to me. Why. I'll read it. All right, there we go. Uh, good. Um, so let's get into this game. Yeah. What else, What do you want to say about there it? There was nothing really special about it. Like I said, the Corbin Carroll double that scored two, great. 
we're done. Right. <laughs> we got a double from Aloy. We got a double from Andrew Vaughn. You want to play the music, Steven? I mean, we yeah, got the double from Andrew Vaughn. He's the king of the game. Is that something? Okay, he went one for four with two Ks. So, thirtieth <laughs> double of the season, though. <laughs> it is thirtieth double of the season. Man, Career we are high. We are scraping for anything positive to say about this team. You know what? I'll oh say my gosh! Positive. Andrew Vaughn hit six hundred plate appearances today. Um, he has reached a career high in plate appearances. He has reached a career high in doubles. He has reached a career high in home runs. And he has reached a career high, uh, I assume. I don't know if that's going to hold, but uh, he should reach a career high in slugging. So, I mean, those are positives. Like, he proved that he could play a full season. He proved that he could slug throughout an entire season just because there was worries in 2021 with that uh, injury in August that his power got zapped from August to September. And then we kind of saw, you know, the gas tank run out on him in uh, 2022. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... All of them suck. Yes. But, uh, hey, at least we'll, there's a bright. I mean, so, silver lining. I guess so. I guess. You can you can build off of this, but he's still in a below average first baseman, both with the fielding and with the bat. In my estimation, I think that you know, of course, he can get better because he's a relatively young player. I think he's still like 25, 26 years old. But yeah, twenty five years old won't turn twenty six until April third. So yeah, the power's there. You could see it from time to time that he can turn on a ball. I need him to be more selective at the at the pitches that he sw swings at because you see so many times as a 5'10 athlete, he's going at balls that are at his face and swinging and flailing at them and taking pitches middle-middle. That's a more of a White Sox thing, and I hope they haven't coached the aggressive nature out of him and the aggressive hitting out of him. But to only hit 20 home runs for a first baseman who played majority of the games I think is very poor. But he's young, so he can build off of this. This year was more of a year for he to see if he can play first base every day and see, as you were saying, he doesn't lose any steam going down this stretch, which he hasn't. I think he's played better in the second half than he had in his first two years. But I think we expect a first baseman that plays as many games as he does to hit 25 home runs at minimum. Minimum. And the same thing for uh, Yohan Moncada on the other side. And so... It's something for him to build on because he's still not in his prime, but I'm not saying that this year is a good year for Andrew Vaughn. I think it's just a building block year. And then if he next year becomes the player that we need him to be because he was drafted third overall, he needs to be that guy if Chris Getz and Jerry Reinsdorf are going to get their wish of not doing a rebuild next year. Right, and I, I've, AJ brings up Vaughn has always been a double line drive hitter, uh, not asking him to hit 40, but asking him to be a little bit more like Freddie Freeman. Oof. Um, Oof. Like I got Freddie. I got it. I got it, AJ. Freddie Freeman-ish. You know, not be a Miller genuine draft, but be a Miller light, you know, I guess. <laughs> um, I, and, hey, drink Goose Island. <laughs> Those were the first comp I had. Thank you, Steve. Um, the, I, was, I fell down a hole last night. Yep. It was tough to get out. Uh, thankfully, I did. Uh, but And then I went on the internet and went to StatCast and was looking up Quality of contact on pulled fly balls and line drives because I'm a loser. And Were you doing this because of your man, Andrew Benintendi, because he has none of them? Well, I, actually, <laughs> I was just doing it because of Vaughn and Berger. Okay. And shockingly, Berger's like top 20. Shockingly, Berger does what you want in baseball. Uh, he heals, kills the absolute hell out of the baseball, and he usually pulls the ball, which leads to home runs, slugging, etc. Um, Andrew Vaughn's like tied with Francisco Lindor. 
Like, they basically have the same amount of pitches and uh, attempts. And it's like, should we just ask Andrew Vaughn to play second base? <laughs> I mean, didn't he already? Yeah, right. I mean, just, <laughs> just, I mean, maybe he's not a first baseman. Maybe he's a second baseman. Just every ball Middle just goes right past him. <laughs> except for, Unless it hits literally at him. And just like, oh, sorry. Can't hit that. Can't catch that one. Sorry. Oops. Every stolen base is just successful because he can't get to second in time for the run. To tag the runner out. <laughs> I saw these shoes. They're called moonwalkers. And they apparently make you walk faster. Uh, they're $1,400. It might be a great investment for second baseman Andrew Vaughn. Um yeah, I, I mean, it just it feels like hell. Ugh, I don't know. This is there's nothing really to talk about with this team, and I I I, I truly mean this. I mean, the 98th loss. Most people in the chat are saying they can't wait until hockey. 98 is Connor Bedard's number. It is. Uh, so hey, shout out to Connor Bedard. He looks incredible. I have Connor Bedard thoughts if we want to get to that, but I guess we'll go to Andrew Benatendi. Um, Please, I love this. I love when you uh, get your on your rants and. Talk about Andrew Benintendi because if you guys weren't here last year, before this free agent frenzy started last year, I was in for any left fielder, right fielder on the White Sox going to sign. Sean said, I'll take any of them except for Andrew Benintendi. He specifically said he won't take Andrew Benintendi, and he cited the reasons why. And now he's going to show you why he was right. Thank you for setting me up, Herb. <laughs> um, shout out to Vinny Duber who uh, got – Audio from Andrew Benatendi. There was also audio from Wrigley Field that I avoided not playing. Um, I've been sitting on this for about a month just because, again, I know that I'm bitter, and I know that I've been talking about this, uh, beating a dead horse. Um, but I, feel, I just feel like the horse should be revisited with a stick, I guess. Um, <laughs> let's hear from Andrew Benatendi because this was one of the most interesting quotes I've heard from a baseball player in a while, especially after he signs a $75 million contract. Don't say this before, like, you know, even... He, he didn't sign the contract and then say this, you know, right? He was like, man, maybe I could find it. Yeah. Uh, but no, he he said after August 21st, after the White Sox got absolutely destroyed by Luis Castillo, who think through, think through 46 straight fastballs. Yes. Um, this is what Andrew Benatendi said in the White Sox locker room. You know, I've been searching for a feel for, it seems like since 2018. Um, and I think that facing uh, Castillo the other day, kind of, I, I felt that again. So I'm just trying to replicate that as much as possible. And um, I mean, hitting the ball in the air, hitting the ball harder. So I think it's trending in the right direction. What was it about that matchup that, that did it for you? You think just luck of the draw finally? or I was getting blown away by his heaters, and I figured what's the worst thing that's going to happen? And, you know, strike out. Um, so might as well try something, and I ended up in a double. Um, so I think like that kind of clicked right there. So um, I don't want to jinx or anything, but just going to try to ride it out. Is there an element of your hand feeling better or stronger that's you know, allowing you to drive the ball? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I can tell. Um, you know, the part of my swing where my hand kind of gave up earlier in the year, it's, it's now driving through the ball. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's I think, a, a, not a big part of it, but a part of it. Um, so uh, just going to keep trying to get it better and um, get stronger. Get better, get stronger. Mm. I don't want to jinx things. They signed a man who broke his hammer to bone in September. Hammate. Thank you for thank you, Doctor Stephen. And uh, hasn't healed properly. Doesn't nope. sound like. And since he said that, since he said he's been searching for a feel since 2018. Uh, 300, 400, 500. That's one of my guess. 300 at bat at batting average, 400 on base, 500 slugging. Am I right, Stephen? And no, okay. you are absolutely incorrect. Um, what what was the big selling point of Andrew Benatendi outside of the professionalism? What was the big selling point? That he gets hits. That he gets hits. 
What would what would signify that a player has gotten hits? Getting uh, hits? A high batting average, maybe? Oh, yeah. His batting average since he said that. 228. <sighs> he faced fastballs. And he said, you know, he was getting blown by fastball. He's just going to let it rip. The average velocity of the fastball that he faces is 93.4. His average exit velocity that he turns out fastballs, fastballs in play, 88.1 miles per hour. That's not good. He takes fastballs and gives them an exit velocity that is decreased. That is not good. No. Usually what the point of hitting is to add power, is to add exit velocity, ball go far. Ball don't go far when he makes contact. And it is so upsetting to watch him play baseball. Melissa brings up the DRS, the negative DRS. Uh, Jim Margulis went into the defensive numbers uh, on Sox Machine. He's, he's not athletic. He's 30 years old. And they have him for four more years. Mm-hmm. They got... The Texas Rangers got 14.2 B-War for Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager this year. How much did they pay for him, for them, this year? Um, Probably $45 million? $61.5 million. Well, Benintendi well for the next four years is $66 million. Mm. So, again... It's a lot for one year, uh, but the Rangers are going to the playoffs. Um, it's worth it. And you spent on two players instead of one. It's worth it. Your fans are happy. You have a future. I remember, uh, was it uh, Slavko was like, Sox, you really That's want that? You like, want. yes, we want our team to actually try to get good players. And those players then eventually turn into the superstars that they've been. So, yeah, it'd be great. Ch- go, out, go out and do that right now. Go out and get a second baseman and shortstop next year for $60 million a year. Hey, I, I'll, I'll be happy as fuck. There's no one on the market. <laughs> the only no. guy on the market is the guy on their team that uh, you, know, I just, you, were, you were saying. Yeah. Does he even have a place next year? All nope. right, uh, Vinny Duber's in the green room. We're going to get to him in just a second. I'll take an ad break. Uh, well, actually, I got more Vinny numbers. Vinny, you're going to have to wait for a second. All right, uh, let's go to the league stuff. Because I, I don't mean to, I, I, I do mean to beat a dead horse. Um, let's go to the leagues first, uh, Stephen. Because um, I put up numbers on uh, Twitter, and they were basically just anything in the zone yeah. for Andrew Benatendi is a negative. Right? There's one zone. There's nine zones in the that make up the strike zone. Yeah. Um, you know, upper, middle, uh, right, uh, right. Uh, top, middle, bottom, right? Um, the only place that he has success is down and in, um, right? All other eight zones are cold, and all of their run values are below negative 2.5. Like, he is trash, and I respectfully. Uh, and just, let's go to the league, because these are balls in play inside the zone. And you could see that where hitters have the most success is down the middle. As you're supposed to. Down the middle, on the edges, or uh, again, like it's it's basically making a cross on your screen. The the deeper the red, the more success on the left. Um, and you could see kind of, you know, the, the bo- top, bottom, top, 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 middle, uh, what, uh, inside, middle, and yeah. then uh, outside, middle uh, are all darker reds. And then you can see the slugging percentage uh, right there. Again, a lot of red for balls in the zone that are put in play. But let's go to Benny. And there's still going to be red because, again, he's a professional baseball player. But you look at the left, there's one really red zone, and then everything else is really tough. I mean, balls in play up and in is a negative. When he puts the ball in play, if it's up and in, 
he 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 is uh, he he is hurting his team. Mm-hmm. So don't hit the ball and maybe pitch to them all the all the time there. But the only place that he is above league average, the only zone that he's above league average in for slugging percentage is down and in, is that four seventy one. And if you take out that uh, series against Oakland in August, that's like below four hundred. I mean, he is truly been an atrocious hitter to watch. Maybe it's health related. I don't know. He doesn't sound super confident, but he also seems uh, really excited to address it in the offseason. That's the one clip I didn't play uh, that Vinny got from Wrigley Field. Um, but it does seem like he is aware of the problem. He, yeah. he doesn't want to be a singles hitter. Um, but again, I just don't know if he is physically capable of doing it. And I didn't really think he was physically capable of doing it last year. Yeah. And he's going to be here for four more years. And this yeah. is hell. And I think the thing is, like, you as a no, as the general manager Rick Hahn or Kenny Williams, they would have um, sussed this out, did some research, saw the crux of his problems, and uh, realized that he was out for the rest of the year last year with five home runs with the hammy problem. And he tells you that stuff at the middle of the season, like I'm still trying to fire my swing since 2018. You should look at the numbers and say. Yeah, he hasn't found his swing, and he's not the player that we need here. I would have taken Joey Gallo over him 100%. I would have taken Cody Bellinger over him, Mike Conforto. I was fine with them getting Andrew Benintendi because I was like, that's an improvement over the left fielder we had last year. Who just became the right fielder. Exactly, but it's not a good thing. The White Sox are still in a bad spot. With this guy, yes, he has room to grow, but also he could be this guy for four more years. And that's not good because we know they're not going to spend any money, and he's going to be making what eighteen million next year. Mm-hmm. Oof, Seventeen and a half million dollars for Oof, the next three friends. years. It's not good. Like this year, you could say, "Fine, it was only eight million dollars." Next year, him and Yoan, man, if they don't have any production, you're just having a huge dearth of talent and runs right there, costing you a bunch of money. Do I want to know how almost much forty seven? million? Do- yeah, oh, 40, more than 40 million yeah, for those 40, two guys. 41 million. Okay. Well, and I think the, their current budget right now of people who are on staff. So, yeah. Andrew Benatendi and Yohan Moncada make 33% of uh, the, the White Sox budget for 2024 right now. And then and we were talking about Andrew Vaughn earlier. The fact that he makes zero dollars, makes league minimum, is a good thing. Like, he could struggle all he wants to because he's inexpensive. And he can grow into the position and be a very expensive player by becoming better because because he'll get into his uh, prime soon. And uh, thank you to Vinny Duper for waiting. Uh, hit the thumbs up button uh, because Vinny has been waiting. We appreciate everyone in the chat. Uh, thanks for letting me go on my rant about Andrew Benatendi, Herb. Let's hit the break, and we'll get into Josh Barfield uh, in just a second. Let's talk about uh, Sunnyside Cannabis Dispensary. Uh, you told Mark Carmen he's got any more uh, scout seats. Uh, you know, he hasn't offered any of the White Sox guys uh, scout seats. Funny enough, yeah. you know, he's uh, throwing them around all, all the CHG offices. Uh, it's like trick-or-treat at Mark Carmen's house uh, with scout seats. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, but you but, saw you said you'd be uh, you know enjoying the alcohol at the, at the scout seats, and you'd be uh, you know taking a gummy or two. I would be doing it before, <laughs> yeah, and having an enjoyable time in the scout seats. Four more games to go. Give me them. I already went to Sunnyside and got the provisions. Go. I just need the game. It's your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping, a place where all kind of visitors are welcome to explore, discover, and purchase a wide array of high-quality products. And Sunnyside has everything you need to elevate your football season. No matter where you are on your cannabis journey, they have easy online ordering and in-store pickups to make it easy for you 
and they're also going to reward you. They have a great transparency loyalty program, Sunnyside Rewards, so you can uh, be rewarded for when you shop. And their bud tenders have a vast uh, knowledge of the product that they are uh you know, selling you, and uh, they will be able to inform you on what product is best for you. They have great in-house brands like Mindy's, Good News, Cresco, High Supply, Floracal, Wonder, and Remedy. And right now, through August fifteenth, you can head to Sunnyside dot shop. Sunnyside's one word dot uh, shop, and use code CHGO two five at checkout for twenty five percent off your total order. One use per customer, and it's not stackable with other promotions. That's not only for new customers; anyone can use our code. Pick up everything you need to elevate your football season. Must be twenty one plus or or an Illinois MedCard holder. Again, code CHGO25 and check out for 25% off your total order, one use per customer. And we also want to let you know about our friends over at FOCO. Uh, Steven did a great job of decorating the set with our two FOCO bobbleheads. Uh, Steven said, let's make sure the ad read is, is, is uh, focused on. Could have grabbed like one more bobblehead. It's a little bare here, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> I think it looks good. No? A ton of White Sox stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, the bobbleheads are fantastic. They're we've beautiful. Got, we've got and the orange you, flag one. That's good. And thank you to Foco for do- donating them. Uh, shout out to Foco and go check them out at Foco.com. F-O-C-O.com or click the link in the description below. For online pre-sale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. They have everything you need, uh, like hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, uh, straw hats, polos, bags, checkered plaid overalls i mean they got everything on their site andrew benatendi arkansas bobbleheads i mean come on go get fitted in the best sports gear around over at foco.com foco.com or click link in the description below for all non-presale items use the promo code chgo for 10 percent off let's head out to guaranteed rate field where our grizzled veteran beat writer Vinny duber uh logs another game in the 2023 white Sox schedule wow i go one morning without shaving day game after night game and all of a sudden i'm grizzled huh man i i honestly i didn't even notice that your 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 five o'clock shadow was creeping in um how was how was it to meet josh barfield today what a guy what a nice guy obviously uh you know uh i think some older folks remember his dad playing and starring and he did it right down the street uh, he's a he's a uh, juliet guy um I'm not sure us younger folks uh, uh, were well aware of that, but uh, he's happy to be home. He said his dad is thrilled that he gets to come back to Chicago. Um, But, yeah, a a very good guy and a very good voice at the top of that White Sox front office. Um, We'll see how it all plays out. It seems like he's going to be an assistant GM who has kind of a really wide range of responsibilities in the early going here. It's going to be player development focused a little bit more because – There's a new farm director to come. Uh, That person obviously has not yet been hired. So uh, the guy who was just the farm director with the team, you have been watching the last couple days. The Arizona Diamondbacks is kind of going to be in in charge of that a little bit, just or I should say have a lot of those responsibilities. In addition to everything else he's got going on, he's going to be very involved in what goes on this winter in terms of putting a roster together and and bringing new players in and and all of the above. But uh, a very nice guy. And uh, our guy, Jesse Friedman, who covers the D-backs texted me as soon as that news broke that Josh was joining the White Sox front office saying, hey, what a great guy he is, and uh, certainly that played out. So uh, the Jesse Friedman stamp of approval becomes the Vinny Duber stamp of approval as well, I guess, after just one little media session. 
And just to add on uh, to Jesse Barfield's career, too, I also liked hearing that uh, he made his debut at, uh, I guess, you know, Comiskey slash Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, so it, it goes real deep for the Barfield family for, uh, you know, the south side of Chicago. And he was there during Andy Hawkins' no-hitter, which the White Sox won that game. Um, it's subsequently, I believe, not been called a no-hitter because Andy Hawkins only pitched eight innings. He pitched a complete game because the Yankees didn't have to pitch versus the White Sox in the ninth inning. So... Yeah, Josh Barfield. I think he made, or Jesse Barfield made the air that scored the runs that the White Sox mm. scored that game. A little no White idea. Sox lore, I Is believe. Ninety one. Eight. It was in the old ballpark, so it was either eighty eight or eighty nine. Okay. Mailman Jack probably remembers that one. I'll find it when we play Josh Barfield uh, a little bit later on. Well, I guess we could just play it now, and then we'll get back to Vinny Duber. All right, uh, let's get into Josh, because I think we got about five minutes from Josh. You could hear the uh, why he got the stamp of approval from Vinny Duber and uh, Jesse Friedman. Uh, he goes into what he looks up, uh, looks in uh, for the makeup of players and how important the makeup of players is, uh, both uh, physically but also as, a, as actual people. So go ahead, Steven. You know, we got talented players, but we also got really, really good makeup guys, high character guys. And, you know, it's so difficult going from the time you're drafted, whether you're a high school or college player, to get into the big leagues. And, you know, I just believe that the guys that have that high character, high makeup, really motivated, um, they, they do the best to get the best out of their abilities. And that gives them the best chance to get up here. I know you just uh, started a week ago or something, but what, what do you envision your role being? I mean, is it? As assistant GM, what, what has Chris talked to you in the early stages about? Yeah, so I think we're still kind of navigating through exactly what it's going to look like, but I think I'll probably be involved in a lot of different areas, especially early on on the player development side. Just uh, I think that's where I have the most experience and kind of bring a, a different perspective. Uh, you know, Chris has done a great job on the, the PD side here. I kind of bring a little bit different perspective from my experiences previous. So uh, I'll be involved in that. We'll still hire a farm director, but I'll still be heavily involved, especially early on on that side. And then as we get into the off season with, you know, roster construction, player acquisition, all that, I'll, I'll be involved in that as well. With Chris having obviously a lot of experience with this organization, it might be important to get some different perspectives from outside of this organization on that front. You know, early early days of your tenure, obviously, but uh, kind of what have you been able to provide and what do you think you'll be able to provide in, in that realm? Yeah, I think it's just another perspective. Right? I think he's part of his vision was bringing in people from other places where things have gone pretty well. And, you know, between me and Gene Watson and, and Bannister, um, a lot of his first week is just kind of been downloading ideas and things that we've seen other places, things that have worked, things that maybe haven't worked, and also getting to know how things are done here. So uh, I, I, I like the collection of like ideas that we have so far, and I think we'll continue to build on that. Josh, how do you hire the right people as instructors and coaches that can relate to the, the, the players now and uh, how they've been brought up? How, how much attention do you have to pay to that now compared to maybe when your dad played and they said, well, you know, we're hiring this guy because he played in the big leagues and he can hit ground balls and throw batting practice. Yeah, we were talking about that the other day. The, the requirements to be a coach, not only in the minor leagues, but in the big leagues, it's so much greater than it was even five, ten years ago. And um, yeah, the ability to connect, number one, uh, the guys don't care about your, your baseball card anymore. They care about what you can provide for them, how you can help them. And um, 
you know, they're also a lot smarter, I think, than we were. They have a lot more, there's more access to information. They're, you know, they're coming from programs that have, you know, labs in college. They have like really talented instructors. So there's a high bar when you get to this level. So that's something that we put a lot of thought into when we're hiring, when we're evaluating staff, is, you know, the ability to connect and your content. Uh, if you have those two things and a good work ethic, you have a chance to really impact a lot of players. Maybe still in the process of learning a lot about what's going on here and everything, but whether it's from this first week or the years you were in Arizona, what do you make of this team? What do you make of this White Sox team? Yeah, I mean, I'm still getting to know a lot of the, the staff here, the players here, but there's a lot of good pieces. There's a lot of talent here, and I think that was something else that uh, interested me about this opportunity. You know, you're going into a situation where you have a chance to things can turn around here. You know, it might take a little time, but there are definitely pieces here uh, to be a, a winning team. It wasn't that long ago that this team was, you know, winning division. So we hope to turn it around uh, you know, fairly quickly. What do you like about the idea that uh, you have an 87-year-old army that's interesting in still participating, seeing the team rebuild again uh, and vibrant every day. Did that come to the equation here of who owns this team and where am I going to play? Oh, going to work? absolutely. You know, I think the, the owner can shape a lot of like the, the culture and, and, you know, the makeup of the organization and getting to work for a guy like, like Jerry is, is it's really exciting. You know, this guy cares. He wants this team to be good. He's involved. You know, it's not just something that he's casually a part of. Like he's he's intimately involved in this organization, and he really wants to see it succeed. So, um, and he's willing to provide the resources to, to go out there and do that. So, yeah, that played a huge role in the decision. I mean, we, Josh only spoke for 11 minutes, so I'm not sure if there's a big takeaway from any of this. But I thought there was a lot of interesting parts. From what Josh said today, the first question that he was asked that I didn't include was, you know, how'd this come about? And he was like, honestly, I was surprised. I was surprised that, uh, you know, I was so focused on the Diamondbacks that this would be an opportunity that came up to me because him and Chris Getz really don't have that deep of a, a connection. It just seems like Chris Getz kind of noticed that... Um, you know, uh, Arizona was doing well, and I, I think he, he, I think as Josh mentioned in the in the piece, um, you know, taking from organizations that have had success. My mind is going to that athletic interview, though, um, and I keep forgetting about the guy's name because he was 15 years ago of Ellen. Oh, Dave Wilder. Dave Wilder, who was from the Braves. Again, they, it was never he said he was never asked. Yeah, you know, what did you do with Atlanta? Maybe that's what Chris Getz is trying to do. Again, maybe he's trying to get those outside voices from Brian Bannister, who's going to be a part of acquisitions, who was just with the successful San Francisco team. Maybe he is going to get uh, in, in input from Jesse Barfield on how to turn Josh. some of uh, Josh Barfield. That's fine. It's, it's the two J's. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it could, honestly, I'd be rooting for a George Foreman thing. He could he should just, <laughs> I know, I know I won't get it wrong because all of them are named George Foreman. Um, but, uh, uh, what, what, now, what was the point I was making with that? That um, I got, oh, I got you. Chris that, Getz. that Josh can turn some of these fringe yeah. players, uh, these these you know quad A guys, into actual major leaguers, or at least help guys get from Double A and then to Triple A. I think he mentioned in the makeup. You know, we're we're trying to not let guys just succeed at their own level, but understand how to succeed at the next level too. We are trying to get you to. Pre- be ready for the next level, not only to have success at the level that you're at right now. So I don't know. There's a lot of interesting things from, from Josh and he seems extremely qualified. Yeah. And I think that it is smart for Chris gets to 
sample around the league and find the brightest minds, young minds like Josh Barfield. I think he's only 40 himself. So to get people who have success in their roles, and he's been the farm director since 2019, you see Corbin Carroll out there. You saw Ryan Nelson last night, Perdomo, young players. So the guy who was from Chicago, Alec Thomas, like all these players were drafted early, but also cultivated and have been developed. And now you see them in the major leagues. White Sox have drafted the same in the same round of those same players, but you don't see the fruits of those labors. You don't see the progression from, hey, he's a great player in college. He's a pretty great, good player in minor leagues, and then he comes to the major leagues, and he's a fully developed star. Corbin Carroll is that. I mean, Alec Thomas a little less than that, but he goes and gets it in center field. So if Josh Barfield can bring that type of information here to the White Sox, and I know he's not the farm director here, but he'll have, and it looks like Chris Getz is going to have a collaborative effort. I know Chicago hates that, but he'll have a collaborative effort of these guys with Brian Bannister, Josh Barfield, uh, the new scouting director. I'm losing his name, Gene Watson. Yeah, Gene Watson. Um, and have uh, these guys be input, and you know, Chris Getz will give the final uh, go because he is young in his job and it's smart to think and lean on other people for information while he learns on the job so it's a great hire and you can say what you want about the hire and I know people are looking at Josh Barfield and saying hey is that the minority hire because Chris doesn't know him is that the minority hire that it was reported the White Sox had to do because of the uh, overpassing any interviews except for Chris Getz for the uh, GM job maybe Possibly, but don't mistake it. Josh Barfield is more than qualified to get the job that he got right now. So I get that people are kind of up in arms sometimes about minority hiring and talking to people who are minorities. But this is how you get it. This is how you this is how you implement it because he was well qualified and otherwise he wouldn't have had an opportunity to have this opportunity to have a job. At, with the White Sox and now he can go to the next time if he does well with the White Sox as a general manager so this is why those type of rules exist giving qualified people the opportunity to get in front of people and then have their jobs uh, show what they can do same thing with Ozzie Guillen when he got the job back in 2004 sorry about that Wait, why are you sorry you're fine I went oh. on off a little rant yeah we talk for a living. That's the whole point. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if anything else stuck out from you, uh, Vinny. And, and again, I thought again, it was interesting that um, there was no real um, connection between Chris Getz before uh, th this hire. At least just, uh, Josh really didn't um, you know, bring up any past history with, with Chris outside of them being both former players. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's probably – way too much emphasis that is put on connections that people do have with each other, right? I mean, really, if you're trying to put a good organization together and a good brain trust and get different ideas in, you shouldn't limit yourself just to your friends and people you've met before, right? I mean, this is an entire industry that has a ton of qualified people in it who have had success. Um, I think people are so quick to jump to whether it's whatever, right? Whether it's what who's the next manager a team's going to hire, or hey, they should go get this free agent because he's worked with this coach before. You people are that's too easy. That's an easy thing to look at, and sometimes it works. And hey, we, we had Johnny Cueto come here because he was uh, he had worked with Ethan Katz, who was here because he had a relationship with Lucas Giolito. Sometimes that stuff turns into a success, but it also doesn't necessarily mean it's the only thing you need to look at. And when that doesn't exist. 
it eliminates the possibility. And so this is a situation where a guy who you don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to look on the field at the Arizona Diamondbacks and see that they've got a lot of really good homegrown talent. Um, the guy who helped steer them to the big leagues and steer them into a position where they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot would obviously be somebody that you would want to talk to. And it's so lined up that uh, here is Josh Barfield, the assistant general manager of the Chicago White Sox, bringing in those different perspectives. I, I think that was my big takeaway is that he brought that up. He said, I have different perspectives from working outside this organization. That's the thing that White Sox fans wanted more than anything when it came to the last managerial hire, when it came to the, uh, you know, after Rick and Kenny lost their jobs and there was going to be a new person in charge in the baseball department. They didn't get that necessarily in Chris Getz, but here's Chris Getz going outside the organization and bringing in three people who are going to be very high ranking up in the front office and his front office who are going to be throwing ideas at him all the time that don't have anything to do with the White Sox, right? Their history, their resumes don't have anything to do with the White Sox. So in a way, here's Chris Getz doing what White Sox fans wanted to be done in, you know, fielding uh, uh, input and ideas that have been generated from outside the organization. And here's Josh Barfield bringing it up unprompted basically and saying we've been spending the first week we've been here just throwing ideas at Chris Getz and talking about how we have done things at other places that have worked. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I think that is a positive sign if you're a White Sox fan and you wanted them to operate differently, or at least get involvement from people who have in the past operated differently, you're getting it right now. And I'm not saying you should be you know, over the moon, 100% bought into what's going on here. We talked an awful lot yesterday about how the plan is not very clear, right? But I, I think that you can at least say, okay, that's them doing one thing that I wanted them to do. Let's see how that works out. Can we take a break? Because I honestly think the plan is becoming a little bit more clear. I, I, I don't know if this is going to be a team that's going to be competitive in 2024. It seems honestly like Chris Getz has the same view of the AL Central as we do. Honestly, I think it could be any team that gets lucky can win the division in 2024. I mean, Carlos Correa and Byron Buxton basically not even played this year in 2023, and the Twins have easily won the division. I mean, if a team actually gives out solid effort and a team is healthy, I think any team could win it. I mean, the Royals can win the division next year if they're if they're fully healthy. I wouldn't be surprised by anything. Um, but let's take a break because I, I do think that there's – some place where this is going or, or, or a vision that uh, maybe Josh and Chris have kind of laid out in the next two days. And you can guys can call me out on if I'm wrong or right. Uh, let's take a break and let you know, though, about Shady Rays. Our, our friends over at Shady Rays um, are you covered... There's uh, take on the sun. Cure both last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Uh, Shader is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. They have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And that's not all. Shader Rays offers the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, it tells us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. You can wear your Shader Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. And if you don't love your Shader Rays, you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. And Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays giving out their best deal this season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code CHGO for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized shades. That's ShadyRays.com and use code CHGO for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized shades. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Also want to let you know about our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook and... 
This Google is giving me problems. We're back with another week of football. And DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. $200 in bonus, instantly in bonus bets. That's what I screwed up. Uh, throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. Hey, maybe you want to throw some money on the Buffalo Bills and Miami Dolphins. It's a crazy week this week. A lot of tight point spreads uh, in the NFL and DraftKings uh, isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and use code CHGO when you sign up. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly uh 200 200 instantly in bonus bets mm-hmm. i'd be clear about that uh 200 instantly in bonus bets only a drafting sportsbook an official sportsman partner of the nfl with code chgo the crown is yours gambling problem call 1-800 gambler or visit www.1800gambler.net in new york call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny 467-369 in connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-777 Seven or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensee partner Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus age, revised varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gambling uh, gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and res- deposit restrictions apply. Finally, we're going to let you know about our friends over at Fubo. They have 140 live channels of sports, shows, movies, and news. And you can stream live TV from any device. Who doesn't like watching the NFL? You got Bears Broncos this Sunday. Who doesn't like watching college football? You got uh, all those great matchups. SC, Colorado. SC in Colorado. Got and Duke, uh, Notre Dame. Illini, Perdon't. Line I don't. Uh, you can watch that and watch the most Chicago sports for the lowest price with our friends over at Fubo TV. You can stream live TV from any device and start watching immediately with a free trial over at FuboTV.com slash CHGO. There's no contract, no cable, no hassle. Just sign up and start watching. And our favorite part is the thousand hours of cloud DVR included at no extra charge. So maybe you want to watch the SC Colorado game, but hey, maybe you record the Duke Notre Dame game. Uh, there you go, folks. You're free with uh, Fubo TV. Uh, watch all your favorite college football and the NFL with Fubo. Go to www.fubo.tv.com slash chgo. That's fubotv.com slash chgo to sign up for 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro. All right. Um, going back to uh, Josh Barfield, the quote I liked was when Bruce asked him about coaching mm-hmm. and saying, you know, you're just not going to hire a uh, a, a past major leaguer and think he'll have success. Um, and I immediately think of the minor league coaches that the White Sox have hired. Um, hey, we do see Chris Johnson, who has worked his way up as a former player. We see the the White Sox hire Nicky Delmonico after he retires. We see a, a hire that I liked, Danny Farquhar. Um, but also we see Wes Helms, Omar Vizquel, right? Yeah. Um, it's not always, you know, great. And what I liked what Josh said was, the requirements have changed from five to 10 years ago. And look what we saw in 2020, right? Don Cooper gone. Uh, we saw Frank Menachino gone a year later. It feels like the White Sox are trying to move forward with their coaching. It feels like they understand that they're very far behind, or at least they understood from a major league staff that they were far behind. And I think now that they're a little bit more caught up outside of the manager, just being scared of his players, we'll get to that in a second. But I am worried at what the underbelly looks like that minor league coaching staff might be tough at triple a double a single a etc so i do like that josh is coming in here and saying hey we're gonna get real coaches in here because hey that might help these players understand what to do i mean 
that's one of the reasons why you don't go from being drafted right into the league because you need the proper coaching to develop into the major league player that you're supposed to be. And we've seen that time and time again, the White Sox have failed on first rounds, first rounders specifically that haven't gone from the point they were in college or high school to being a better player in the major leagues. Like we had successes in Tim Anderson, but now where's that gone? Aloy Jimenez is not necessarily the White Sox person, but they had him in the minor leagues. He developed a little bit, but now it's not really gone to the next level. Coaching is the deciding factor. And having analytics, a research and development program that gets a player from one point to another. I like the Chris Johnson hire because of what we said last year when you brought up the fact that he's telling players of, you know, not just digestible MLB stuff, but he's bringing analytics into there and putting them in ways that they can digest them as Major League Baseball players. So I think that hire is still good, but there's a lot of those like Delmonico's and Farquhar's and, hey, you were loyal to the team. Here's a job type of thing. I don't know how good Justin Gersley is, but also another hire from, I mean, he didn't play for the White Sox, but, you know, he's a former player and they thought he was a bright mind, but that triple-A team is doing nothing. It's terrible. So I'm liking Josh Barfield saying some shakeups have to happen. We have to have teachers down there, not just players who are placeholders and players that are saying the same things without the development of the players that are going to our major leagues because we see zero of them. They're all on the field today. So I would like the shakeup. I like to have, a little, have that old guard out, the loyalty program to be dismissed and just have, you know, accountability and have a meritocracy as far as the coaches and also the players. Well, I mean, I, I don't think he's going to come in here as an assistant GM and say, we're cleaning house in the minor league coaching staff. I mean, I think uh, the thing he was talking about was more generally speaking in terms of qualities that you look for. And perhaps he will be part of the assessment from with, with Chris Getz and everybody else. Of course, Chris was just the head of player development, he should know what all these guys are, are like and are doing, but perhaps these new ideas get infused in here and there are, uh, you know, changes made or additions made that fit that bill a little bit more. I think, you know, I think fans want to see a blanket approach that hits the things that they want. What is this team going to do to make all these players good at the end of the day? And Josh brought this up. The answer is you better be doing good for, doing what is good for each individual player. And I, I think, you know, we've seen that at the big league level with coaching. We've seen it at the minor league level with um, guys with different timelines in terms of how much minor league time they need versus another player. It's all different. And and the, the ability that you need as a coach or a player development person or a front office person or whatever is to understand that each of those players needs something different or at least something specific to them. And if you are able to communicate to the guy who wants all the information in the world, as well as the guy who gets completely confused if you give them any of it, that's a good job. It's not doing one of those things right. It's not trying to please a certain segment of the fan base that wants to see one thing. It's being able to do many things and get everybody to the same end point. Now, have the White Sox been able to do that? Absolutely not. You're looking at a team that has a core that has almost completely, with the exception of Luis Robert Jr., failed to live up to the expectations that, that this organization had for them. Obviously, they need to be doing things in a different way. Um, and if new front office people are going to spur on changes at, a, at the coaching level to do that, then great, you know, or if they see the current coaches they're working with 
doing exactly what they want them to do and the players aren't holding up their end of the bargain then maybe there'll be personnel changes in that area as well you've got a front office guy in brian bannister now who's going to be working with pitchers up and down the organization it 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 really just it, it i think the main thing that fans should want is the end result and to her you always talk about process over results but there's maybe no one definition of what that process should be for every player right i think each individual player has a different process to get them to the same result um and i think a good organization and a good staff is one that is able to completely um adapt themselves to each individual player and each individual plan that might need to be followed along yeah and honestly when i I was talking about you know what's the underbelly of the coaching staff. Like I, I thought probably more additions is, is what I would be thinking. Uh, just adding more qualified uh, coaches to deal with, you know, more players needing, you know, more certain help. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you have 26 guys on a roster, uh, you know, five coaches might not do it. You, you know, more players might need personal time, et cetera. Uh, you might need, you know, more uh, instructors, et cetera. Like I, I think the White Sox could do well with hiring more people. Let's create more jobs. Yeah, and I, I hear you, but also where's the line where you're having too many chefs, you know, in the kitchen where you're just having way too many things in one person's ear. Like, God, this I get in seven different people telling me different things. Yeah, but just be, if, that's if, what I mean. But that's what I mean, Herb, right, is that there are players out there who that is a, a worry, and then there are players out there who want that. And and I think you, you as an organization have to be able to throw a different strategy at all 26 different guys on a big league roster, at all however many dozen hundred guys in an organization. And if you're able to do that, if you have the, uh, uh, you know, the personnel and the resources to help each one of those guys in the specific way that they need to be helped in order to get them success that's when you're that's when you're in a good spot but also like if jesse bar i'm gonna keep doing this god damn it (laughs) if josh has a plan for each specific player the message or the process shouldn't change and the the instructions shouldn't be different you know, I mean, like, I don't understand where the, the too many cooks things would get, you know, can, can, uh, can, can convoluted uh, because, like, it should just be the same message. It should be. From every coach. Yeah. I, and I understand what Vinny's saying, and I agree. Because it's just, like, some players don't want to be inundated with information. I think uh, Luis Robert spoke to that earlier in the year. He's just like, I'm thinking about all this stuff. No, get out of here. I'm going to do me. Some players, like, Give me all the information so I can absorb it and then have a better thing at the plate and or the mound. So, yes, you, as Vinny said, you have to find the balance and find out if this guy is that guy that wants all the information or if this guy just wants instruction from one person and that's the straight line he's going to be moving on for. And you have to find that throughout the uh, system. And so it's going to be hard. And I, I agree with you. You have to hire more people, and it's better to hire more people than fewer. But – you have to find out if those guys who are in the system actually like the more information and if they don't. Right. Um, and and uh, there's a point that you, you brought up there, but I'm, I, was, I forgot about it. Um, okay. All right. I forgot about it. Let's go. Um, come back to it. I don't think I will. Okay. Be honest. I also I, love I have... Town real estate, and you're beautiful also. Yeah. Just spread the great message. Just spread around. <laughs> um, all right. There was one thing that's – uh, jumped out to me last night on Twitter, and I wanted to bring it to you, Vinny, because it, it kind of happened, 
in last night's game when we really focused more on Chris Getz. And I'm not sure what the message is after another loss, 98 losses on the year, 3 nothing loss today. But before Pedro was hired, and this is all from uh, Jim Margulis's Twitter, and you can follow him at Sox Machine. Uh, Pedro said before he was hired, this is an extremely talented ball club, and it was really difficult club to prepare for because if the energy was high, they could beat anybody in the game. And if the energy wasn't, we were able to have success, some success against them. My job and my staff's job is going to make sure that we, that energy is high every night and we're prepared to win a ball game. And on August 20th, after the game, he said, there's energy and at times we lose it. And when we get back, it just comes and goes in the game. And that's really unacceptable. We need to bring it every day, every single inning. We'll talk about that and we'll move on to tomorrow. And then yesterday, after the White Sox take a 4-1 lead, um, the White Sox gave up 14 unanswered runs, which is not acceptable <laughs> to Pedro Grafola, Scott Merkin writes. And the quote from Pedro, early on, it wasn't at all. But once you get behind and the game kind of gets out of hand, that happens. You still have to respect the game and go out there and do your job. That's what I expected. And Jim comments, the White Sox should have called up Colos to give Grafola a guy he feels comfortable actually managing. Um, I, I, want, I thought that was a curious comment just because we do – or have seen so many comments from Pedro about Colas to you guys. And we really haven't seen any direct comments, or at least I am unaware of any direct comments outside of that, maybe except for the Luis Robert incident near the end of April where there was the weird, maybe he wasn't hustling, maybe he was injured, but they took him out. They had a talk. He didn't play that Sunday. And then, Ever since that moment, he's been uh, God. Um, so what do you make of maybe Pedro feeling a little bit uncomfortable in his first year, managing and maybe being vocal with some of these players like Tim, Aloy, et cetera? Well, I think that just because he's not saying it to us doesn't mean he's not saying it. I think that's the first thing you got to think about. Um, I think he made some comments earlier in the season that were very forceful in saying, I'm not going to communicate with my players through the media kind of thing. Right. And so I think rather than using what he would say about Oscar Colas as a template, I think maybe you could view that as the exception. Here's a young guy who's not doing anything close to what the team wants him to do on the field. And he's, telling us about it. Whereas the, the rule or the template is I'm not going to call out people who aren't doing anything. Um, also, I do think though, that in baseball in general, Pedro has been around the game for a long time. We can talk about him as a first year manager, but he's not a first year person in a dugout or a clubhouse. Um, there is respect for guys who have done this job and done it well in the past. And I mean, being a professional baseball player, um, you know, people look at Tim Anderson, for example, as not doing the things that they expect him to do. Fans look at him as, as or, or, or us as well. Hey, he doesn't seem to be doing his job the way he has done it before. Right. In the baseball people, though, and you can hear this in what Chris Getz even said yesterday in talking about T.A.'s future with this team, potentially talking about a guy who has done it before, a guy who's won a batting title, a guy who had years of success, a guy who has contributed to this team in a big way, um, a guy who's been to a couple of all-star games. He's got himself a resume, and he's got himself cred, for lack of a better word, right? And so I think that 
there are guys who don't even have the lengthy resume that Tim might have, the accomplishments that Tim might have, who fit into that category as well. Uh, people, you know, you mentioned guys like Moncada and Aloy, maybe, you know, those guys have had some small taste of big league success. There might be a level of respect in, hey, they've done this before. They And, hey, they know how to do it, right? I mean, the idea being that if you've had if you've gotten to a point where you're having success at the major league level, obviously you know how to have success at the major league level. So just do that. I'm not going to treat you like a a child who doesn't know what they're doing. You know what to do, go do it kind of thing. And like I said, just because he's not saying that in a post-game press conference to us, doesn't mean it's not being said at all. I don't know if it is or not. I'm just putting that out there. Give a guy a benefit of a doubt. Um, I know this has been a topic of conversation for fans all year long, particularly as the Oscar Colas stuff got very repetitive. I mean, I was I was pointing it out on this show. He said it over and over and over again. But also, too, watch the game. Oscar Colas was making mistakes every single night. And so, you know, they sent him down because he was not coming close to what he needed to do to be successful at this level. Now, you know, there's the opposite end of the spectrum is everybody gets yelled at every night because this is a hundred going to be a hundred loss team. You know what I mean? And, and do you want, you know, I think the bigger problem isn't why, how the manager is talking about it. It's why in God's name is this team played like this this year. And, you know, you look, I mean, you left out the part of the quote that you just read from last night. I asked the question, you know, he's talked about focus and effort so much at this late stage of the year. Is it a challenge to muster that? And his response was, it shouldn't be, you know, that was his response. So, I mean, he's a guy who wants to see a very specific brand of baseball on a nightly basis. And that I think is what he was talking about when he had had that opening press conference that everybody loved. He point painted his vision for what this team was going to be. And then he started doing the job of managing a baseball team on a nightly basis when the games count and that team didn't do it. And he failed to find a way to do, to get them to do it. Right. I mean, you can talk about everything, you know, that has gone wrong for this team this year as the manager and as the head of a coaching staff, we've said it over and over again. They have failed dramatically Pedro and this coaching staff to do what they were hired to do and to do what they said they were going to do when they were hired. So um, he's getting another year to, try to fix that. I would not be surprised. You know, you see, if, if you see him very much try to get this team to play the way that he wanted it to, and maybe that involves personnel changes that Chris and the front office are going to, are, are going to be making, but you know, you want to, I don't think the, I don't think the focus should necessarily be on how he's talking about it. The focus should be on how did it get to the point where he has to talk about it every, every night. This is the thing, Vinny. And before I get on to my uh, statement, did he, Pedro, specify why Tim sat out today? He said he's, I mean, he was asked whether these were off, just regular days off for Tim and Yoan, and he said, yes, I'm going to rest those guys from time to time. There's only five games left when he said that, so I don't know really what that meant, but that's what he said. And they had an off day on Monday. That's the point. And then... We all saw Tim do what he did last night, and he can think that that isn't a focus issue, but when you do it multiple times where you have don't have your foot on second base as a shortstop, when you're receiving a throw from the second baseman, that's a focus-slash-energy-slash-effort thing. And for him, and I don't need him to say it to you guys, to say, hey, 
that man was loafing, blah, blah, blah. But I need the accountability of him. And the same thing with the, the hits principle with Matt Eberflus. When you're saying you need to have all this hustle and all this heart and energy. And then when you see a person loafing and or not having focus, i.e. Chase Claypool, and the opportunity to, to send a message throughout the rest of the ball club and say, that's not acceptable for that, you will be sitting down or you will get fewer opportunities to play. That's what I'm saying with Tim. This was a perfect opportunity to say, you know what? Tim didn't bring the level of focus and energy to what we need to do here at the White Sox. And so that's why he's sitting down. To sit him down with five days to go in the season to get rest is ludicrous to me. Absolutely ludicrous. And so that's why I push back against Pedro and him saying focus energy because he was brought here for that reason. And if they're not listening to you in year one, guess what they're not going to do in year two? Listen to you. And you have to establish right now that you're the goddamn boss. You might be making less than them, and you might want to treat them like veterans and, hey, you're established, you've been in the league, you know what to do. But you also, Pedro Grafal, saw these same players give lack of effort, lack of energy when you were in the clubhouse with the Kansas City Royals. So what's going to change? It's got to be you setting the standard to know that this is how White Sox baseball is going for the future. And I don't care if you're man number one or 26, you're going to play White Sox baseball with energy and effort. It can be bad, but you're going to be given 100% of what you got. And so that's why I push back on what Pedro says, because he doesn't follow through with his words through through actions. Well, I love the statement. I honestly think that the action will be the decision of Tim's option. Like, I, I think that's going to be how he kind of sends his message will just be, you know, we don't think that you're going to give the effort uh, to our team in 2024. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's through the conversation that Tim and Chris uh, or Chris Getz talked about uh, that Tim and, and him are going to have uh, and that he thinks Tim is deserved. But, you know, he might go for a player that is not trying and might be more talented, as we've pointed out, former all-star batting title for a guy that is less talented but might – Give that effort. And that's what my biggest this. worry is. Is like, 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 let's go for the players that are good at baseball and maybe get a manager that they want to play for. I will say this. I believe it was on the last homestand. I asked him, I asked Pedro about TA's focus and energy, right? Because so many folks have called that into question, we'll say. And and Pedro was adamant in saying that those have not been problems for TA this season from, from his view. He has pointed out the things that have been, right? The health, particularly, with, with that very obviously had a had an effect on how he played throughout the first half plus of the season, uh, and then you know obviously the other stuff that he's been dealing with, and then the you know the results, what the results are, that is frustrating as well. Um, but uh, just to provide more information there, so we're not uh, putting ascribing thoughts to people that aren't thinking those things. Uh, that's what he said in terms of. That's what he gave me the answer as in terms of T.A. when it came to focus and energy. He said that is not a problem. Talked up T.A.'s work ethic and, and, and what he does, you know, before the game in terms of what he's doing to, to practice to try to turn things around for him from a results standpoint. And I can't trust Pedro's eyes. His baseball eyes are, are failing him. I'm as big as T.A. fan as you can find. I will go down defending that man over most people in, on that team. But I've seen it. The lack of effort, energy, it's been present every other game. This is not, unless he thinks that Tim is just a bad player. He has been dogging it 
for a couple of these games. And if Pedro doesn't see that, then his eyes are wrong. And his baseball knowledge is, I'm going to question, because it's sometimes you got to call out the number one guy so all the rest of the guys get in line. And the fact that he doesn't have the bravery to do that to me, or and or if he sees nothing wrong, then he's the wrong guy. If you don't have the bravery to step up to Tim and say this is wrong, then he's the wrong guy. Either way, he needs to be the leader. He was hired to be the leader. And like I said, the most important job for a manager is in the clubhouse, not in the field. The field, the game will take care of itself for the most part. In the clubhouse, you got to address these things, address the and squash beasts and get these players ready to play. And if Tim's not giving effort, which I, that's my opinion, he hasn't given effort and energy and focus all year long. So this is why I think Pedro is just lost. And I hope in all season he feels a little bit more comfortable calling out players and telling them this is the effort, energy that we need. And if you're not giving me this in my second year, I feel more empowered to give you this message. I hope he finds that in the offseason because it hasn't happened this year except for Colas. I think one thing, too, that maybe leans a little bit towards injury, but it, it just seems like he's just out of the game. Is He was so into base running yeah. in the first 11 games, uh, five stolen bases, no caught stealing, and then the 109 games since then, eight stolen bases, two caught stealing. I mean, he's basically just stopped running once he's gotten on base. I don't know if that's just because of the lack of opportunities, too, because he was getting on base more in those first 11 games, uh, so maybe there was more opportunity. But it just doesn't seem like he is an interested part of the White Sox, and it does seem like he's trying to get through this season. And, hey, maybe it's just been a tough season. Maybe you just need to put it behind you, and maybe he can say he's on to 2024 and will be more focused, and and they'll accept that option. But I, I have a lot of just concerns around if T.A. even wants to – be a White Sox anymore because it, it does not seem like he is playing like it or at least is, is giving that effort uh, on a day-to-day basis. And I, I, I would agree with you that I think Pedro's just lying to himself like, who are you crapping? I mean, honestly. I In mean, his heart of hearts, he knows it. Yeah. And again, maybe again, like Vinny said earlier, he doesn't want to deal with the stuff uh, in the – the media, right? I mean, maybe he's, he's having these conversations with Tim. I uh, hope so. Behind closed doors. And, I hope so. And again, that's something that uh, we are not privy to. Uh, man, to be a fly on the wall. Anyways, uh, Vinny, any uh, notes from Guaranteed Rate Field, or uh, you want to wrap this up by five? You can wrap it right up, because uh, okay. this was another this was another game from Dullsville. Um, I mean, especially from the White Sox end. I mean, you mentioned last night, 15-4 to four tonight, 3 to nothing. I mean, the, the pitching the pitching was pretty good. Only gave up four hits, but yeah, ooh, where are the bats? Where are the where are the runs? So um, it's uh, it they need to go three and one over the final four games to avoid that uh, not so magic number of a hundred losses. Will they? Will they go three and one, Vinny? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. Herb, I mean they'll lose tomorrow, so they got to sweep the Padres, All which right. I don't believe so either. Well, there you go. Well, you're gonna sweep the Padres, folks. Um, go check out Vinny Duber's latest piece at allchgo.com, uh, writing about what Chris Getz had to say in the dugout yesterday, covering those uh, 22 minutes and covering uh, Tim Anderson's future with the White Sox as well. Uh, so it is timely, uh, especially with the topic that we just talked about. So go check that out at allchgo.com. He's our uh, CHGO White Sox beat writer Vinny Duber from Guaranteed Rate Field. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at Eckerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. And I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you to Steven Nicholas for producing the show. Thank you to everyone for hanging out with us in the chat. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out. Uh, goodbye.